0: Hello everyone, this is Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Rider Magazine and your host for the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Paul Pellin. Known as Long Haul Paul, Mr. Pellin is a long distance motorcycle rider who has been a top 10 finisher in the Iron Butt Rally. Paul was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and in 2012, he began documenting a 1 million mile journey called Chasing the Cure for Multiple Sclerosis. Paul, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Greg. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Great. Well, you're a guy who gets around. Um, I know you've completed two iron butt rallies, uh, once on a Ural sidecar, which uh, is pretty amazing to me. I've only put a few miles on a Ural and I thought that thing was, uh, was, was quite a handful. Um, yeah, I know you uh, completed the iron butt rally again in uh, 2003 and finished in the top 10. Um, how did you get into long distance motorcycle riding?
1: Well, actually, um, you know, I started riding motorcycles, um, probably about the time I was uh, just getting through college, maybe about, I was about 20 years old when I got my first motorcycle, but, um, you know, I just rode a couple miles here and there, on a nice sunny day, go out for a ride with a friend or something, but it wasn't until um, a few years later that uh, I started riding longer distances, and and, and actually what what got me into the long distance stuff was um, a bad marriage and uh, just you know, going home after work and, and and uh, you know, not enjoying myself at home. I'd go in the garage and tinker and then I would just start um, taking the bike for a ride. And as the marriage got worse, the the rides got longer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd find myself in Chicago and having to turn around and, you know, get back to get back to work in New Hampshire for eight o'clock in the morning. So. Um, Really, long distance riding became um, part of uh, basically therapy for me. When when things weren't going well in life, um, I found that uh, you know getting on the motorcycle was um, was just uh, it was a tool. You know, a tool that um, took me away from everything that was crappy in my life. And and by the time I turned around and, and went back home to face everything, uh, I just felt better and, and you know able to, to handle what was going to happen the next day. So um you know really really became um a big part of my life through through um you know i went through a pretty nasty divorce and custody issues and things like that and you know things got pretty crazy and so you know i had to up my game and that's when i started doing the long distance events and and entering the um the rallies and the uh uh, endurance competitions and things like that and um You know, so really, it really was um, hardship in life that that actually drove me to get on the bike and, and um, discover the uh, what I call moto medicine, you know, the therapeutic therapeutic use of, of riding a motorcycle so
0: sure I mean I can certainly relate to you know the. Um, uh, when you're on a motorcycle in your helmet, uh, you know you can really sort of be lost in your own thoughts, you can scream and yell, you can sing songs, you can do whatever you want and. Uh, um, it is a great way to escape, even if it's just temporarily. So I can I can certainly relate to that. So, well, again, you know, to go from um, uh, these long sort of therapeutic rides to uh, deciding to compete in something like the Iron Butt Rally is that's um, you know typically over a thousand miles a day for eleven days. Is how do you how did you start to prepare yourself or your motorcycle or your uh, your body for uh, those kinds of you know day after day of, of I mean, most people have not done a single saddle sore. So to do, essentially eleven in a row is is quite a quite a commitment.
1: Well, I you know again, I think my longer rides and at the time you know I was self-employed. I ran a small business, so I was working six days a week. So, you know, Sunday was my time, and Sunday was was basically riding, you know, uh, early in the morning until late at night, and. Um, and I just found that, you know, I, I wanted to do it more. And so I began to plan my, what little vacations I took. Um, uh, you know, I had read about the rally. I had read about, um, uh, Ron Ayers' book really drove me to to learn more about um, uh, the, the long distance community. And it's funny, we're talking about this in about an hour B. Um, I don't know what, what year, this is the, uh, what running of the Iron Butt. the Iron Butt rally actually starts this morning. In uh, Provo, Provo, Utah, and also today is Ride to Work Day, so it is. is, This is awesome. Um, I work from home, so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to just do a loop around my neighborhood. Or (laughs) uh, I got home yesterday from a 6,500 mile ride, so I think I'm. I think I qualify for riding to work, but absolutely. um, But yeah, the uh, back to the question. Um, I think it was um, uh, the the Ironman Rally the 99 rally had just taken place, <clears throat> and um, I read Ron Ayers' book, and then I realized that there was a, a slightly smaller rally called the Butt Light, um, which was run out of Minnesota by by the great Eddie James, and uh, it was a, the same type of rally where you're you're hunting for bonuses all across the United States, but it was only seven days long, and and I figured I could take off the seven days and a couple of days on either end, um, two weeks you know, um, away from the business was, uh, was bad, but I, I could handle it. And, um, so I signed up for it. And that was my first, um, taste of the long distance, uh, ride, <clears throat> um, long distance, um, competitions. And, um, it was great. I mean, I, I bought a BMW, K bike. I had it all outfitted with everything that I read about, um, I had never entered even like a 12 hour rally or a 24 hour rally. This was my first, uh, I had done one saddle sore uh, before this. So, um, but what was amazing is, um, you know, you know, you're in the rally about a year before it happens. So you're preparing your bike, you're preparing your, you know, everything you buy underwear, thinking about what's going to work best for, you know, <laughs> day four of the rally. You, you, so it kept my mind busy. It kept, it kept me, um, completely involved in in that whole thing and it, and it kept me from you know dwelling on on the crap that was going on in my life so um i loved it i loved it um <clears throat> to me it was fun i didn't really care if i won or placed well i just i thought it would be a great experience and um it was i mean i had a great time <clears throat> halfway through the rally i ended up uh trading my bmw which the transmission blew apart um somewhere in uh um, uh montana i believe i traded it for a, a honda hurricane um just on a you know a friday afternoon of labor day weekend and just um i don't care what's the difference in price here you go and um, jumped on the hurricane strapped my my bmw luggage all the way up the back seat and i you know i finished i finished the rally and and um you know most people said well you know you most people would have just quit or flew flew home and you know had the bike fixed or whatever. And I'm like, nope. I'm just dropping this bike here. I'm getting another bike and I'm gonna finish.
0: Good for you. And
1: um, it was it was great. I mean, I got the bug, and um, <clears throat> the following year was the Iron Butt. So my Iron Butt runs every two years. So um, I had put in my name, and at this time there was you know a couple thousand people that would try to get into the Iron Butt. It was pretty pretty difficult to uh, get a a starting position. And, and I was a nobody, you know, I I had one little rally under my name, and I didn't, you know, so I didn't get picked. And um, I knew I had to ride the rally, I knew I had to be in that event. I just, I just felt like it was something I really needed in my life. And so I wrote Mike Kneebone, who was the president of the Iron Butt Association, I said, Look, I said, I know you guys are always looking for oddball bikes or, or, you know, antiques or something. I said, uh, I'd be willing to ride the biggest piece of crap motorcycle ever made if you let me in the rally. I says, uh, um, and I had looked at a couple of different bikes and I said, geez, I says, I'll ride one of these Russian Urals. You know, they're, they're not really known for their dependability or speed or, um, and, uh, they, they, At the time, I don't even know if it was email or regular mail, but they, they responded and said, you know, uh, we think you're an idiot, but you're in the rally. <laughs> um, at the time, I didn't own a Ural. I had never even seen one in person. You know, I, I probably have seen them in, you know, Rider magazine and a couple of the other magazines that I used to get, but I had never seen one. So um, <clears throat> I ended up buying a used um, solo model without the sidecar. Okay. And I I contacted Ural America at the time, and I said, look, I said I'm. This is what I'm going to do. I'm entering your bike in the world's toughest motorcycle competition. I said I'm going to, you know, in the Iron Butt, and you know, could you sponsor me? Could you help me? Could you, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, and 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 uh, the president of the company at the time sent me back a, an email and it said, uh, we're sorry, Paul, but nobody in our office thinks our bike can finish. <laughs>
0: at least they're honest so
1: so yeah i mean so i was kind of on my own and um i ended up purchasing a a used bike and i i had it um i had the engine you know um polished and ported and blueprinted and uh titanium valves and i had it it was it would go pretty well i mean it was going pretty good um unfortunately uh as a precursor to the Iron Bud, I had entered a 24-hour rally or a 36-hour rally in um, uh, West Virginia or or on the East Coast anyway. And um, I pushed the bike pretty hard and uh, ended up seizing the motor uh, right before the finish. Mm -hmm. And uh, by this time, this was uh, May, and then the rally was in um, July or August that year. So, um, and now I had quite a bit of the... um, the Ural people call themselves foil heads, you know. So uh, BMW has their oil heads and uh so they the foil heads, they were all following me and you know paying attention to what was going on. And so at this time I contacted Ural America again and I said, Look, I said I'm I'm stuck. I need some, I really need some help, you know. And uh so they said, All right, we're we'll um, we'll sponsor you, just don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, so sure. they did they didn't want anybody to know that uh, in case something happened or whatever, but... Um, and I ended up getting the first... Um, at the time, the the euros were 650s. And so at the time, um, they were just introducing the new 750, or it was a secret, actually. They there were uh, EPA testing the 750, which had... Uh, and this is 2001. So it had um, electronic ignition. <laughs> and it had... Um, uh, had an electric starter <laughs> so, um it was huge you know plus the 750 motor you know with great big improvement. so um they're like you're not gonna have any problems you know it'll it'll run at those speeds and i didn't run the sidecar i ran just the solo bike okay. um and i didn't have a lot of time to really prep it for for iron but i mean i put a, a fuel tank on it I did put a deeper um, oil pump because it only holds two quarts. So I put a, I think I put a four quart oil uh, sump and pump on it and a couple of the little things, but I didn't, I didn't really get to do a lot. And um, uh, Tess wrote it a couple of times here and there and uh, wrote it down to the, I mean, um, I put it in the back of a pickup truck to get it down to the rally. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody's making fun of me and, You know, I'm riding a Ural and I remember rally. His guys with you know brand new BMWs and Goldwings, and they've got twenty thousand dollars worth of electronics and lights and all this stuff. And I'm I'm running tube tires and a you know a headlight that you have to you know rank on the on the throttle just to get it to be bright enough to to see in front of you. Um. So so yeah, you know, it it was. uh, But you know what, I had a blast just getting there, and and um, I had every intention of you know doing. Doing well and finishing. I, I thought I had it, you know, down pat. I knew the bike. I knew it's a pretty simple bike to work on. So it's, you know, I had everything I needed with me. I thought, you know, big hammer, some duct tape, and um, JB Weld. I mean, what else do you need? <clears throat> and uh, we took off, and and uh, uh, I was all happy, flying down the road. I got 400 miles before the, um, I seized the engine, Um, both pistons uh, seized in the uh, cylinders. And um, that was the first of, uh, oh, about 40 breakdowns uh, uh, towards, I got towed to a year old dealer who most of the, at the time, the year old dealers were these uh, fly by night. You know, they they had a real job during the day and, you know, you go to their, garage in the backyard and they have some catalogs of urals that you can look at um but the uh the guy in tennessee actually had his own personal ural and he had agreed to take the motor out of his bike and put it into my bike so i could keep going in the rally so i had a borrowed motor um that got me a little bit further halfway through the next day the um the steering head bearing pretty much fell out of the bike and I went into a tank slapper and I slid down the highway in Arkansas, crashed the bike, Ooh. um, ended up, um, actually it was an Arkansas state trooper that put me back on the road. Um, he, he basically said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm probably going to fly home, you know, call her a day. And he says, well, why don't you see if you could fix it? And he stayed there with me for an hour while I duct tape JB, welded big hole in the crankcase and, and, uh, um duct tape the windshield and straighten the handlebars and you know he, he was there a good long time before um i tried to start the bike it did start but um it had no oil in it the oil was you know all over the road so um uh i asked him if he could call a tow truck to maybe just bring us some oil to the highway that's all i needed you know a couple of quarts of sure. 2050, and, and we're, we're good to go and he comes back after about five minutes from the squad car. And I said, you know, did you find somebody? He says, no, they wanted too much money. And I said, I don't, I don't think you understand. I mean, I'd pay 200 bucks right now. I don't, I don't have an option. He says, don't worry. He says, uh, I called my wife at home. She's going to meet us up here in the highway with two quarts of oil for you. So um, incredible, you know, and, and um, it's amazing because uh, at the time you don't realize how how amazing the story becomes, but um, the last 25 years of riding, um, I ride alone pretty much everywhere I go. And I, I've never had, um, an issue where I didn't find some stranger who wanted to help me. And, and, um, and it's great. You know, This the, the world out there isn't quite as bad as, uh, the press would, would have us believe. So, Good. um, so that was day one of the rally. I, I, <laughs> I, I blew the engine. I crashed on the highway. Uh, the night before the crash, I'd spend four hours kickstarting the bike because it wouldn't run very well when it was warmed up. Um, So it was, uh, that was day one of an 11 day rally. And uh, uh, I ended up breaking down, like I said, 30, 40 times, towed two or three times. Um, But each time I, you know, made my way a little bit further, a little bit further, uh, showed up at the checkpoint in Washington state where Ural was going to, basically do an oil change and you know tighten up the bike and uh they ended up putting um another 750 cc motor in my bike the only other one that was in the united states was Mm now in my bike and um uh, that was great i thought "Geez, i've got a brand new bike i can start looking for bonuses and you know stop playing the rally game uh halfway through the next day the starter now i have a starter because i didn't have a starter with the last the borrowed motor so I have a starter, but it kept getting jammed in the flywheels. I have to take it apart, bang the pinions back into the, so I couldn't use the starter. And then um, by this time, I don't know, day six, seven, um, anytime I started to hear some funny noises, I would, I would say, all right, I got to stop and find out what it is before it gets worse. So a little bit of jingling noise and it turned out I had a, what I thought was a bent push rod. So I, I'm in a dirt parking lot in Wyoming and I, I, I call the Ural headquarters and uh, I say, Hey, look, I've got a, I've got a problem. I says, I'm spinning the push rod and it's, and it's oblong. I can see it, you know, in a oval, it's going in an oval. And and so the, the Russian technician says, uh, no problem. He says, find the rock bang straight on ha- with, the, with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, I always follow the factory recommended procedures. So, uh, Unfortunately, I pulled the push rod out, and it was broken in two pieces. The, um, there was a metal tip, you know, an aluminum shaft, and the metal tip had cracked, and it was it was in two pieces. And I'm in a dirt parking lot in Wyoming, you know, and uh, so I look at my bag of tricks, and I says, "Well, you know, what have I got to lose?" So I pulled the JB weld, and I JB welded the push rod back together. Um, I put it back in the engine. I started it up. And it was running on both cylinders. So I gently, very gently took off with, with a glued together push rod. Uh it got me 50 miles. I got 50 miles almost into the next town uh before it clearly broke again. And um, <clears throat> you know, when you've got like 14 horsepower to start with, when you cut that in half, right. um, uh it wasn't very good. So I'm you know tooling along at 20 miles an hour, but I eventually make it into um a uh, little town in Wyoming, and um, uh, it was a Sunday night, I think. And the next morning, I get into the hardware store, and I ended up buying a couple of uh, long drill bits, and um, uh, I saw a grinder in the back room. I begged the, the the clerk to let me use the grinder. I ended up making two new push rods out of uh, drill bits, wow. and um, threw those in the motor, and um, uh, I made it the rest of the rally, um, you know, a couple smaller you know alternator issues and things like that but but pretty much finished the rally on on drill bit push rods oh man Uh, so so that was um to me at the time was 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 just i just didn't want to walk home you know and i didn't have a lot of money i didn't have you know the means to to do anything else so it was just you know getting through the rally me against the machine or whatever um but today you know 20 well that was 20 years ago this this year actually so 20 you know, today, um, that story of overcoming obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, but also riding a, riding a machine that nobody thought was worth the entry. You know, I took away somebody's spot that could have actually won, right? So um, that story today, I use that story today because um, now I travel the country as a patient advocate for multiple sclerosis. Uh, I was diagnosed myself in 2005. Um, but I travel the country speaking to patients, and and I use this Ural story to explain um, to audiences, you know, what it's like to live with a disability, or what it's like to live with, you know, a body that doesn't quite do the things that you want it to do, uh, chronic conditions and things like that. It's like riding that Ural. And, you know, just because you have a disability, just because you're riding the biggest piece of crap motorcycle ever made, doesn't mean you don't deserve a chance to still ride through life and and you know and and you can still finish you don't have to be you know in first place to still be a winner you know and 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 i use that story uh, millions of times all over the country um in various forms because it's just it's crazy and 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 anybody if they don't know about motorcycles could still understand you know taking a model a and putting it in the indy 500 you just don't do that um so so the story is really relevant with different audiences and um you know I had no idea at the time that it would be so important in my life now um it also helps me on those days when I don't think I can get through um or you know I need to push a little bit further I just remember that story and it's like if I could do it then I can do it now you know and and, uh it's it's uh
0: I mean that's that's that truly is a testament to perseverance and um you know just creativity and problem solving and it's that there's very few problems are without some sort of solution and, or a workaround or something so so yeah that's that's quite a tale i didn't realize that that was uh it was was all that was involved in your your story of the the first iron butt rather that you finished so so well, it's uh, funny
1: because, so go ahead go ahead I, I was just gonna say it's funny because uh, everybody remembers me entering the 2001 iron Butt on the Ural right but nobody remembers 2 years later when i rode a bmw and i came in top 10 nobody ever remembers that because right. it was boring nothing happened you know um it's funny cuz uh that that comes up all the time and i'm like no i actually did well you know another <laughs> they don't care nobody cares
0: <laughs> well and that's the thing is that it's a it's you know the the you know you know triumph over tragedy you know overcoming adversity that's a much more interesting story than you know yeah if you finish the rally and you don't have any I mean, it's always a challenge to finish that rally, but it's there, d- people have different levels of, of challenge. So so you finished the t- 2003 rally in the uh, top 10. Two years later, you're diagnosed with MS. So, um, and then it was 2012 that you started your uh, million mile journey. Tell us how you kind of got from A to B there.
1: Um, Sure. So so the, actually the 2003 rally, um, I was right in the middle of the the start of my divorce and custody issues, and so again, that rally was was very therapeutic for me. Um, partway through the rally, my attorney had called me and told me that I I had just just won full custody of my children, which was a big ordeal. Um, it, I kind of knew that my rallying would be over, you know, which was fine because I felt I had done some great things with motorcycles and I was going to raise two boys. And and uh, that um, it was also the rally that I felt I had pushed my body. Beyond limits, that um, normal limits, and I'd really been been pushing, um, but uh, about halfway through the rally, I showed up at one of the checkpoints, and um, I was a wreck. I didn't know what was going on. My uh, both my arms were numb from the uh, from my um, elbows down. Um, I was having trouble um, speaking. I was having trouble. Uh, I couldn't recall where I was the whole day before. Um, I mean, literally, the rally staff looked at me and said, "Go to your room. Don't even show up for the mandatory meeting tonight. You're you're done until tomorrow morning, and maybe we'll let you ride again." I was a mess, and um, the next day I I had trouble. I couldn't figure out a bonus. I was just literally, I was I was reading Greek on the paper. I just couldn't understand, um, and I just chalked it up to pushing too hard. I chalked it up to the emotional stress from the, uh, you know, divorce stuff and and everything. But um, it turns out that that was actually my first MS attack, was during the rally um, because my body was stressed and everything else. That's when it hit me. Uh, I didn't find out until you know when I finally got my diagnosis was you know almost two years later. Um, but that was my first attack, and and actually that was my last ever um, endurance competition. I I quit riding. Um, I knew I had two boys to raise, but I also knew that there was something wrong with me. My, you know, my hands didn't work, and I had a lot of confusion issues and 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 memory cognitive problems. I couldn't remember my own home address or people's names, um, things like that. So it was, um, it was a stressful time. And so I, I, uh, I sold the bikes and I gave up riding. I said, I'm, you know, especially once I got the diagnosis, I said, well. You know I'm gonna be in a wheelchair. I'm you know my life's over. I better get my ducks in a row. I sold my business. Um I got remarried just for the insurance. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell me what um no I, I you know I made a lot of changes in my life thinking that I would be disabled. Um, that I was gonna be uh, that that MS patient that you know died or whatever. Um, and uh, I went on treatment for the for the disease which is a disease modifying treatment which basically slows down the progression and um basically you know i went eight years and i didn't get any worse and that's when i realized um, that maybe i wasn't going to be in a wheelchair that maybe i needed to find something to you know occupy my brain again and also i wanted to do something to give back to people who were newly diagnosed and I wanted to give back to the MS community in some way. And I thought, well, geez, I'll do a, a long distance ride or something um, <clears throat> to try to get back. Or I'll, I'll ride 100,000 miles in a year and try to raise money. And, um, I, you know, a couple of people talked me out of it and they said, well, that's great. What are you going to do the following year? You know, and that's like, well, geez, I can't. And uh, so they said, you need like a 10 year plan. You need some kind of a. Uh, you know, goal that you can use, you know, a continual goal. And I had gone to an MS event where a speaker would talk, and a doctor um, was asked a question about when he thought that there'd be a cure for MS. And he said, "I don't I think a cure for MS is a million miles away." And at the time, um, uh, a few a few riders had just completed their million mile, you know, uh, documented a million miles. And, um, and I was just thinking about it and I said, geez, I could, I could ride a million miles for MS and just, um, you know, document going to MS events, document going to fundraisers or anywhere that um, where I'm raising awareness or raising funds for MS and, and, and count those up and try to get to a million miles. And I don't have to tell anybody when I think I'll finish, you know, there's no end date. It's just, so that was it. And I just, I just came up with the the idea that I was going to ride a million miles, start at zero, and just you know try to document a million miles um, helping people with MS. And, and uh, <clears throat> like it's been nine years. Um, you know the first couple of years I just started uh, going to these MS um, patient events across the country. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> going to these patient events across the country where um, they'll have a patient advocate speak and talk about their story. And so I would go to these events after work and things like that. And eventually a couple of the companies asked me to be one of their speakers. And I said, Well, geez, I don't have a I don't have a story, you know. And then I realized it was the the motorcycling and how um, finding something that I love to do in life, riding and making it more important than my disease is really part of my therapy. You know, every day I ride that bike, I don't have MS. My my um symptoms don't bother bother me and stuff like that. So you know, that became my story. And and um, and for a few years, I traveled the country um, for a couple different pharmaceutical companies that paid me to, you know, do a presentation. Um, and I never flew anywhere. I took the bike to every single event. Um, somebody paid for me to ride from New Hampshire to Anchorage, Alaska to speak to like eight people. <laughs> um, it's, it was incredible, you know, for the first few years, it was great. And um, and I started doing fundraising. So I was, um Doing different various <clears throat> fundraising events. Um, I have the MS 5000, which which I run every year. It's a, it's 50 days for MS. It's sort of like the MS Walk, where where people sign up, and but instead of walking, you ride your motorcycle as many miles as you can through um, uh, through 50 days. That's and right. um, that event has raised you know well over 150 thousand dollars since I started. Um, I try to do one or two oddball idiot type um <clears throat> fundraisers uh every year or so um i call them you know stupid human tricks but uh i try to find some something interesting that people will go what the hell are you doing and here's 20 bucks you know so um i've done four you know uh quasi world records um uh, or three three i have three i'm working on my fourth and the next month i'll uh, hopefully <clears throat> set my fourth world record um but they're fun but they're they're fundraisers you know i've i've raised a total of a quarter of a million dollars so far for charities um i now ride for one charity that puts on um uh, a nonprofit that puts on ms events educational events all across the country <clears throat> and they do have me speak at a lot of their events so they're helping me and uh but i've been raising money for them uh for the past two years, I think. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm still getting to travel. COVID was a little tough. Um, most of the events were all all canceled, even. Um, I do also presentations. Like, I'll be speaking at the, um, the first three IMS shows. Um, <clears throat> I do seminars, um, you know, on travel and also on how to repair stuff on the road. I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, uh, you know, things that I carry with me that keep me from having to call a tow truck or <clears throat> that kind of thing. So, uh, I, I, try to stay pretty busy. You know, I've got a website and blog and YouTube channel and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to grow my audience, which helps me with, um, sponsors and things. And, and today, um, it took quite a few years, but, um, I have Yamaha that's, that's been really, um, they've really stepped up. And, um, <clears throat> after I put a hundred and, um, 70,000 miles on a Tenere without ever, you know, doing any of the maintenance that's in the book. (laughs) Um, They started to take notice and uh, uh, I had a second Tenere 1200. And then um, a couple of years ago, they were coming out with their new brand new luxury touring bike, you know, calling the Transcontinental Motorcycle. And I said, well, has anybody ridden it across the country yet? You know, and I says, I says, I let me be the face of trans, you know, for, for yamaha maybe may be the uh the long distance dude you know so for the first time in my life and i've i've owned you know 40 different motorcycles mostly touring sport touring some adventure bikes but i'd never had a cruiser i've never had a bike where i could see my own feet in front of me so um i wasn't sure but um uh they put me on it and you know we did some we did some um um, some joint press stuff with it, which is really what I'm looking for is getting some exposure. So, but I put a hundred thousand miles on that bike, um, in about a year and a half. And I rode the snot out of it. You know, I'm typically not very good about maintenance or taking care of stuff or washing or cleaning, or, <clears throat> you know, I ride through the winter, I ride through the snow. I get caught in all kinds of weather and I don't have a, cho- a choice because I'm supposed to be somewhere. And it's, you know, it's, it's work, it's business. Um, so um so they had given me the venture and um uh then I saw that the the new Tenere 700 was coming out and you know I really I really liked the the adventure style bike and um you know going from a almost $30,000 touring bike to a $10,000 <clears> uh mid-size, you know, adventure bike and and uh, I wasn't sure that it would it would work for the the amount of hours and miles that I put on <clears throat> At freeway speeds, um, I drive everywhere like it's Nevada. So sure. <laughs> um, I'm a little tough on on uh, smaller bikes, but um, uh, I've had it now. I've had it about a year, and I love it. I mean, I can take it anywhere. Um, I just got back from from New Hampshire to Los Angeles and back to New Hampshire. Six days, wow. um, 6,500 6, miles, and I you know I was there for a three or four hour meeting and um, I'm ready to go out again. I mean, it's just, I, I enjoy it. I love riding. Um, I've set the bike up for touring, you know, and 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 that's one thing that people think they have to have a $30,000 full dresser to actually, you know, go across the country or even across state lines. And you don't, you know, you just, you just need a few little things to to make the bike a little more comfortable. Um, and And you can take pretty much any bike you want and ride it, you know, long distances. So that'll be one of the seminars I'll be doing this year at the IMS shows is about, you know, taking an inexpensive smaller bike, but using it for cross country touring. Um, because I think a lot of people, you know, don't realize what you can do to a bike to to make it um, a bike. You know, most people think it's just a dirt bike, the, the T7. And you know, uh, that thing cruises just just fine at pretty much any speed you want, so.
0: So have you had any issue with uh, two tight tires putting those kinds of, you know, highway miles on it?
1: Well, so the two things that I <clears throat> was, was a little bit uh, worried about were tube tires and a chain drive. And I don't think I've had a chain on a bike for 20 years. Right. Um, I've never had a long distance bike that I use for, for, for that for, with a chain. So I'm <clears throat> um, a little worried about it. So I, the first thing I had, I did was I, um, I put one of these tubeless kits on the bike, thinking, you know, I'd be able to plug a tire from the side of the road. I know how to use a plug gun. <clears throat> well, that didn't go very well because um, the the uh, I took a long trip and um, I probably had a slow leak in the in the rim, and I didn't pay attention to it until it was a blowout. And uh, fixing a blowout in the side of the road, um, I ended up. Um, probably melting the glue that was holding the the uh the tubeless kit together because I was using um COVID-19 hand cleaner to spoon on the you know so so any because I had a big jug of it my 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 wife made sure I left time left the house with a big jug of uh covid protection cream or whatever you want to call it um so i use that as lube to get the tire you know
0: it's rim got out. alcohol in it
1: <laughs> yeah so melts. so so i got like you know another 50 miles and i had another blowout and um <clears throat> i had a tube with me you know because uh you know when things go bad you throw a tube in so i throw a tube in and um it was it was the wrong size tube but it worked you know i think it's going to get me to where i'm going well know i ride a thousand miles a day so it didn't quite get me a thousand miles (laughs) so i blow the blow the tube out with the 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 valve stem ripped right off the tube you know i i can't (laughs) fix this so side of the road it's hot you know so um anyway uh long story short um before i got home i ordered a set of real tubeless rims for it so i have those on now it it just for the amount of miles that i do you know it just It just makes, and I'm and I'm not a big off-road guy. I'll go down gravel and dirt and stuff, but I'm I'm loaded for travel and, um. Well, in highway so, speeds,
0: you know, it just heats up the tubes. It's just they're not. That's not really what they're designed for. I mean, you know, so it's that's that is one of the challenges with certain motorcycles is that you know spoke wheels, depending on the bike. I mean, it can be a Triumph Bonneville, it can be a KLR 650, it can be whatever. Is tubes can be a challenge for people and and chains as well. You know, they require more maintenance than shaft drive or something like that or belt drive. So.
1: Yeah, the the chain was the same thing, the same trip. I, I uh, ended up melting a chain or <clears throat> stretching it so far that I, I had no no uh, adjustment left, but um, it was my own fault. I put a chain oiler on it and I set it and forget it, forgot it, you know? And every time i looked, look, I'd see so much oil down there. I kept turning off the, the chain oiler, lowering it, lowering it, lowering it. Well, the chain oiler had popped the hose and the hose was just leaking all over the side of the bike and not on the chain. So, so, you know, I dried out the chain, not even knowing it. Um, uh, so, you know, that's, you know, partly my issue and partly it partly is actually the, the cognitive problems that I have. I, I have a, a, a bad blowout where I, where I almost kill myself. And then 10 minutes later, I'm on the highway doing 85, not even thinking about what just happened. Like I right. just, my memory is not really good. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, to oil the chain and check this and that, not, I'm not the best, um, Person. So the chain, um, you know, that's still a work in progress. Um, I was probably the first non BMW rider to order that new Regina lifetime chain. And um, lifetime of that chain, I'll tell you right now, is 12,000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> With no oiling and no adjusting, it'll go 12,000 miles before it stretches so much that you're um, uh, bucking on the highway. And yeah, so um that's probably not the fix either so um i think if i just a little more um diligent with you know oiling it at the end of the day especially if it's a thousand mile day just to get it up in the center stand and throw some oil on there and um i i'll be okay i think uh uh i i think i over i was a little over worried about it and maybe over adjusting it and um so I'm, i'm i'm working on that but uh other than that, you know, the um, <clears throat> I added a little bit of extra fuel. I got a custom seat. You know, Bill Mayer makes my seats, and um, <clears throat> so that that's a little taller windshield. You know, some some heated grips and things like that. But um, you know, pretty much, I've got myself a great touring bike, and it's and it's you know, short money, and and you know, people can really um, do a lot of traveling. I think I just hit. It's like my worst year ever, but I think I just hit forty like 44,000 miles for the year on the on T7. The um, <clears throat> I'm probably supposed to change the oil or something by now. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that, I know this is true uh, across the board, is a lot of events were canceled last year due to COVID. Some schedules have changed, like uh, Maricade is typically the first week of June. It got moved to late September. IMS is, you know, usually indoor events. Now they're doing these outdoor events. Um, I know they moved their Southern California event would would have been, you know, like the second weekend of July, It got moved to November. So are you still going to these IMS outdoors events coming up? I know I've met you um, at some events in the past. So you know, you work in the, you'll be in the Yamaha booth or somewhere else, uh, you know, speaking or stand there with your bike with uh, all the dirt and the miles on it. So
1: um, Yeah, I mean, I have a plan. I have planned to go to every single one. I think there's nine, there's maybe nine, 10. Yeah. Um All the way up to like um the end of november even i think yeah um but yeah i'll be uh in a couple of weeks i'll be heading out to the um sonoma show and i am speaking so um my tenere will probably be in the yamaha booth okay and hope hopefully my chopper will be uh at the outdoor um, uh what is it adventure out i think it's called adventure out yeah in yeah. fact, you guys, I think Ryder is sponsoring exactly. Adventure, yeah. So, so I'll see you there. I'm yeah.
0: Sure we'll be there. We'll probably for... have
1: lunch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so tell um, me about your chopper. What's what what you?
1: So um, I spend a lot of time on the road alone. I don't listen to music, um, but I have a lot of um, great ideas. And I have a lot of dumb ideas, and sometimes <laughs> they overlap. Um, a lot of th- I record a lot of stuff as I'm writing because, like, I forget half the things that I'm thinking about, but. For a couple of years, I've had this idea of uh, attempting a um, endurance ride or or a long distance challenge um, ride, but using a chopper, um, because a chopper is probably the the least style bike that you would choose to try to set an endurance competition or or ride on. So <clears throat> I don't have a chopper. I've never ridden a chopper. I don't know anything about choppers, but. I said, you know, how about I do the, uh, the Ironbird has a ride called a 50 CC. And basically you document riding from the East coast to the West coast or vice versa. And you have to complete it in 50 hours and you have to have certification and all the paperwork to prove you did it. And then they, they give you a certificate. So I had contacted them and I said, Hey, has, you know, has anybody done the 50 CC on a chopper? And, um, they looked through all the records and stuff and they said, Nope, we, we, you know, we don't have anybody who's done that on a chopper. And I said, good. I said, so if I do it on a chopper, will I be the first person to ever ride the 50 CC? And they said, yes, you would be the first person. So, um, uh, you know, I talked to Yamaha about it and, um, <clears throat> right now Yamaha's basically their, their cruisers is the, is the Yamaha bolt and uh, it's a 950 CC. And, um, you know small small statured um you know cruiser and i said hey you know i'm thinking about doing this for charity i said you know any chance you guys have a a bolt i could borrow or have or, um and they they said yeah i said well we'll uh, we'll help you out we'll give you so they gave me a bolt and uh right out of the crate and um uh the past you know 7 or 8 months i've been trying to build it into a chopper which uh during a pandemic trying to get custom um parts for uh, a japanese bike um if it was a harley it'd probably be pretty easy finding you know 12 inch longer forks and things like that but um i've had amazing hell of a time trying to get uh, parts um uh, and so i wasn't advertising yet that i was doing this because if i can't build a chopper i don't want to tell people to uh, donate to my fundraiser so it's been a little struggle um it's only been the last month maybe that i've uh got the bike to the point where i say it's a chopper you know it's got it's got a raked front end i paid a lot of money for a custom raked front end triple trees a uh, couple inch longer forks it's got you know straight pipes and and that seat basically a pad bolted to the frame that's going to have a big sissy bar and um it's a chopper you know it's yeah. got um, took off all the lights and mirrors and turned you know got everything basically anything for safety or comfort is gone and then and it's a chopper. So um, right now it's actually, I'm having a custom tank made. So it's got a little bit bigger fuel capacity. Um, right. Cause I don't know what speed I can ride this thing. At. I haven't even ridden it more than two miles. So, uh, but I'm going to get on it in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm going to ride it all the way to uh, um, uh, San Diego and uh, which is uh, 2,400, 2,300 miles. And I'm going to do it in 50 hours, and uh, I'm asking people to donate to my stupidity. And um, actually, the bike the bike will uh, be raffled off uh, afterwards, so everybody who donates gets a chance at the raffle uh, ticket. And um, of course, it's you know it's all for MS, and um, I could care less really about the the accolades of being the first person to ride a chopper at a 50cc. It's uh, it's silly, but it's you know. I mean, it isn't easy, it's, it's, you know, there's no fairing, there's no, um, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not it's no, it's no picnic, but, um, but it's for charity, it, you know, it's, it's to raise money and to raise awareness of what I'm doing. Uh, and my goal of a million miles for, for MS, um, chasing the cure, you know, is what I, is what my tagline is. Um, my million miles chasing the cure, but Uh, It's fun. You know, I enjoy it. It gets people involved. I've got a lot of people that have donated time, parts, money. Um, You know, I call up Arrow Stitch. I know you had Andy on recently, and uh, one of my favorite people in the motorcycle industry, he, um, I make a phone call and whatever I need or want, he's been right there with helping me out, Uh, never asking for anything in return, you know, but um, I mean, I tell you, I wear their stuff because it works I, I, it, it has to work every single day i carry three pairs of electric heated gloves with me through the winter but i only carry one jacket you know so um but i had called him i said hey i'm gonna ride a chopper and i i think that um i think i should be wearing you know leather and a chopper right you know so <laughs> he's like hey you know we have the we have the transit suit you want a transit suit and i'm like yeah that'd be cool you know so uh, he offered to donate. We're waiting, hopefully. Um, all those ships that got stuck in the canal there, I think some of his stuff got stuck. And I'm not sure I'll get it in time. But he was more than willing to to give me whatever I needed for, you know, to help out. Um, they, they've been great. And, you know, great company, great guy. Um, Bridgestone Tires, same thing. And, 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 um, and Yamaha, you know, Yamaha has really stepped up. Um, I mean, they feed me at every event I go to. They take care of me um they donated the last two bikes you know for me they just donated the bolt you know it goes goes to the charity not me but yeah you know, they're they're helping me and what i'm doing and um you know they're not they're not they're not getting they're not they're not using me for you know promoting everything and whatever they're they're doing it because they they care about the sport and they care about what i'm doing and that's awesome i just yeah. uh you know the whole motorcycle community really is is um i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing without their help uh, IMS, you know, they're asking me to speak and, um, you know, that, that type of thing. So it's, it's, it helps, you know, I, uh, I, I ride full time, you know, this is, this is what I do. I don't really have a, a job, but, um, or any steady income, but I'm, you know, I'm making it work by, by doing presentation. I do a lot of clubs, you know, I'll speak at the BMW club or, or, a, um, uh, uh, Harley groups and stuff. I've done a lot of their presentations and, um, you know, we pass the hat for the charity afterwards. And, and then the charity then takes care of my expenses for getting there and stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's uh piecemeal, but I'm, I'm, I'm making it work. I'm riding for a living, which is awesome. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. I'm doing it because I have, you know, I have a disease, but, um, it's allowing me to do everything in life that I want to do pretty much. Um, I don't know if I mentioned much about MS, but, uh, you know, it is a, it is an autoimmune disease of the central nervous system. Basically, my, my body thinks I have a virus and it tries to attack it. <clears throat> and what it finds is the myelin sheath or the uh, insulation of, in the wiring in my head, basically. So it's chewing away the insulation on the nerves in your brain and spinal cord. And uh, after it's done chewing, it leaves a, a scar. And multiple sclerosis means multiple scars so the more scars you have the worse the disease gets um, each scar is sort of like a bad wiring harness or a bad solder joint you know in, in a wiring harness and <clears throat> you put your left blinker on and maybe your right blinker goes on or not well that's what happens with ms you know I tell my foot to move and my other foot moves or my foot doesn't move um very basic but that's you know that's what happens in ms is your' Your, the damage is all in your brain, but it's affecting every part of your body that it's attached to. So, um, you know, I, I've been lucky where my symptoms are <clears throat> manageable and, um, you know, I've been able to deal with them. And, and that's that's great. Not everybody's that lucky. So, um, you know, that's why I'm out there. You know, my goal is a million miles and helping other people um, get through life with, with MS or, or or other chronic illnesses and diseases and things that, um, you know, have, have stopped them from, enjoying life. And uh, <clears throat> my message, you know, is just to find something, anything that uh, makes you happy and try to make that more important than than the disease.
0: That's great. I mean, you had said earlier that, you know, you had um, essentially stopped riding motorcycles, you had sold your bikes and went for a few years and thought that maybe that part of your life was over. But then, um, you know, you were able to get into some treatment and uh, stabilize your, your you know, your condition. And then you're riding full time. I mean, you know, you weren't riding you were that you weren't riding full time before. You knew you had MS. And that's a that's a real testament to, you know, your perseverance that I know you've got you've got a mission that you believe in. You've got uh, you know, the support of the motorcycling community, which is a great thing about, you know, there's ride for kids, there's toy for tots, there's, you know, the distinguished gentleman's ride was just recently, you know, and like there's a lot of different things that bring motorcyclists together uh for a good cause. So um uh, I it's been a, a an honor and a pleasure to meet you at, in person at several events i'll see you at ims uh, probably at a, a couple of those shows coming up um and if people want to meet uh, paul in person yeah go to one of these ims shows you can go to motorcycleshows.com look up the schedule uh like i said there's nine i think shows um around the country between july and, and november so
1: yeah well, i'm looking been- forward to the the shows they're you know they're they're new they have to make changes and they're going to be outdoors and there's going to be a lot of new activity and and uh, should be should be good. I mean, I'm looking forward
0: to it. Absolutely. so, hey, you've been very generous with your time. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? We'll make sure and have uh, links to uh, your website uh, and anything like that so folks can reach out to you. Is there anything else you want to share with folks before we we wrap up?
1: Ah uh, no, just that um, you know I, I really appreciate the time and 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 um, you know uh, it really helps me getting getting the word out there and and, and letting people know what I'm doing. And, and ways that they can follow me and you know if they want to they want a chance to win my world record chopper you know uh, not on a bolt it's called you know yamaha <laughs> bolt so it's called nutonabolt.com is the is the website that's my my logo um and uh you know i'm having fun um doing something i love but i'm also out there making a difference i hope you know and in, and in inspiring people to to um Find find stuff they love to do and, and and I think that um you know the I love motorcycling I love riding I love everything about it and uh you know um trying to get more people out there to realize how much fun it is and 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 but also how therapeutic it can be and 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 it really is um it's something though that you you know you need to do more of these if you get out and only ride once or twice you know in the summer it's it's not the same. Um, I do own a vehicle, even though my license plate says no car, um, I own a, I own a vehicle, I put about 2,000 miles a year on it, but um, when I get in it, I'm scared to death of it, I, I don't know how, the, I don't know how the stuff works, you know, I keep thinking the microwave thing is beeping, but my wife said, that's the car seatbelt thing, you know, and <laughs> I really don't know how to ride a car because I'm not doing it every day, and I think, you know, with motorcycles, the same thing. I, I do it so often that I don't think about any of the movements that my body, feet, arms, head, any of it's making. It's just part of me. And um, I think once you get to that part, um, when, you're, when you're riding that much, then it's it's a totally different experience. You know, um, people are like, I- aren't you so afraid of riding? I said, no. I said, I just rode across the country and back. I didn't beat my horn once. Like, nobody cut me off. Nobody... And it's because I'm out there so much, I'm, I'm you know, um, and I think that if we can get more people out there realizing how much fun it is, um, and, and it's not about the, the danger and the risks and all this stuff, um, it's about having fun. That's the main reason we do it. We don't do it because we're daredevils or have a death wish. It's because we have a wish to live, you know? Right. Motorcycling is all about that wish to live.
0: Well, it's like that saying, you know, it's not the number of years in your life. It's the life in your years. I mean, it's, it's really, it's a way to really enjoy life. And so that's something that obviously every motorcyclist knows. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the thing about these IMS events, I know they're trying to have more activities for people that are new to riding to give them an opportunity to have some of the experiences. I know there are demo rides for people that are already, you know, know how to ride a motorcycle, but there are other experiences with electric bicycles and other things that give you a sense of, you know, the propulsion of having a throttle. So I think it's great. That kind of outreach is really important. And um, so, well, again, Paul, I appreciate your time and uh, I look forward to seeing you at, uh, at Sonoma Raceway IMS show Uh, for the Rider magazine insider podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews, and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.